all right, well, we're back in the saddle, but also I feel like we need to tell people that we did record one of these two months ago that just never saw the light of day. So essentially we just recorded a conversation between the two of us. I don't remember why why not. I think it was over Christmas. It was Advent for sure. And it was I know that it was Advent and I think that that something happened. Some I think we got sick. Yeah, we got COVID. That's what happened. I didn't get COVID. <laughs> I got COVID. I got COVID and then never never edited the stuff. So it just never went out. That is such the go-to excuse now. <laughs> like, you know, Likely, yeah, yeah, likely story. Yeah, I'd like to order that. That'll be 12 months. Why? I don't know. Yeah, COVID. COVID. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, whatever. You didn't edit COVID. Uh, did you hear the episode of the Dana Carvey thing where I think it was David Spade that said, uh, I'm starting to think there's some downsides to the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you how... How thankful I am you uh, let me know that that was the newest podcast. I mean, I've listened to every episode. Yeah. And I don't remember, I don't know how I found out about it. But once I did, I'm like, there's seven episodes of this. How did I not know that this existed? It's almost, it's like that great feeling of coming in just a little bit late to something because of the backlog. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, It's that feeling of, like finding a new show on Netflix or something. And it's like, Oh my God, there's four seasons of this. Right. So basically I'm a casual minister right now in the sense that Advent and Easter, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You're just, you're coming in for the highlights. It's like the, it's like the, uh, the aging NBA superstar that doesn't get picked (laughs) up on a team until like, you know, April. Yeah, I don't mean I don't know about aging, but <laughs> NBA superstar. We okay, can go okay, with. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the NBA superstar. Yeah, that's yeah. Let's just stick with the second part of that. Um, yeah, it's been it's been too long, and this is something that we've obviously been talking about for a year about wanting to get back into because there's so many people that like are connected to us that aren't in Charlotte and that aren't, uh, you know, maybe don't even go to church or whatever. They don't have any interest in that, but that find value in having these kinds of conversations. So I do think it's really valuable to, for us to make the time to do it. No, absolutely. And, um, COVID excuses aside, no more of that, you know, we do just have to get into a regular habit and a routine. And, uh, so we can find that again. Sure. Rhythm. Well, and we, we've got stuff planned for that and I'm excited for, you know, these next few months. Um, but now we are in Lent and uh, it is, is Lent something that you observe every year? Is there some like a, a practice that you ramp up during this time? You, well, I'm about to move my chair. That's um, fine. No sounds. Yes. Well, you want to quickly answer yes because you want to appear as though, you know, it's something that's very meaningful right. to you. And but in all honesty, yes, it is an important time for me. But no, I don't, um, I don't give things up. Yeah, like and you know, and 
nor do I, by the way, just to join you in that. Okay. That's not, it's not, that's not part of the practice for me. Right. And I mean, we could talk as much or as little about the why to that, but it's not just a, it's not because I just simply don't want to. Sure. There's, there's reason behind that. But anyway, but this year, so overall the answer is yes to that, but this year it was different. Um, for me personally, and it was strange because of a lot of other things that are happening in my life right now, a lot, you know, just a lot of chaotic seasons right. that are just really um, keeping me from those normal life rhythms that right, I have right, right. used to. And to be honest, just full disclosure, I didn't realize that Lent had began this year. Oh, yeah. And But this is an interesting story, and I know that it feels like, this will almost seem like a humble brag, uh-huh. you know, but I promise you it's not like, oh, wow, I'm more spiritual even when I'm not trying to be. <laughs> you know, I'm not, it's nothing like... My, my intuition just told me. <laughs> it's kind of like that, and I promise, uh, you know, I'm just... I I'm, just found ashes on my forehead right. on a Wednesday, and I, I was woke. like, what in the world? Wait, why are my palms bleeding? <laughs> <laughs> I got the stigmata. What? Wait, oh, again? Come on. <laughs> Is my face glowing again? Right. Dead coming. I've got to go to Home Depot. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> such a bad time for a transfiguration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I. One of the things that I have picked up in the last, what, six months or so is I also, I, I speak with you, the person that I met through you, an old professor of both of ours actually, but that is your, you would call your spiritual advisor, right? Spiritual director, Director, yeah. I mean, yeah. And in the last six months, because of life, I've been talking with him on a regular basis. And I was speaking with him last week and going through this whole thing where I just really like at this certain time, I just hit this wall spiritually, like this exhaustion, this, um, uh, just felt like not to exaggerate, but a dark night of the soul type period of sure. time. And as we were talking through it and everything, he kind of helped me realize, Oh, I didn't know this mentally, but almost like spiritually and physiologically. Yeah. Right. I, it was connected to the, to the rhythm of, of Lent. Of Lent. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it kicked in, and so I knew it was Lent, but I didn't intellectually. And that was very helpful to me, because even though I wasn't, um, I don't know, it was comforting to me a little bit, because even though like I felt uh, just very much detached from meaningful things during that little bit of a season, it almost was a little bit of a, I don't know, a relief, like, okay, I'm still, I'm still, uh, I don't even know how to say it, but like, well, there's, there's space that's made in the church calendar for this kind of feeling. Like it's an appropriate feeling. Yeah. And it's not random. Yeah. Right. Like, and so we, we know things beyond our mind. And if we live a life that makes space for that to open up to multiple ways of knowing. Yeah. Right then we know in ways beyond our mind when we allow ourselves to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, yeah. So I, this was an interesting year because I didn't realize Lent had started, but in a sense I did. 
Yeah, that's interesting. And it's similar. I mean, not not one for one, but similar to the way that I felt about it this year. I felt like, uh, and I've, <laughs> funny enough, I've talked to Ricky about it a lot, but like just a kind of uh, heaviness or malaise, whatever, um, and, and a lack of, um, you know, not a, I don't know, lack of spiritual urgency feels like a cheap way of saying it, but like just a, just a heaviness. And, um, and yeah, the fact that, you know, there's a day like Ash Wednesday followed by these 40 days where that, that's an appropriate thing to feel, um, or at least there's space made for it, uh, as valid is, has been helpful to me. And I've felt like connected to the season, I guess, in a way that I haven't maybe in the last five or six years or something. Yeah. It's an odd way to say it, but it's almost like, you know, if you enter the Christmas season and you don't feel joy, something feels off. Sure. Like you feel detached from the spirit of the season. Yeah, that's right. And you don't really want to have that be the case with Lent, but it's also the case with Lent. Like you should feel whatever, whatever that joy is to the Advent season or the Christmas season. <laughs> laughing at me, yawning in the middle yes. of you saying that. I tried Huge to. <laughs> hey, can you, can we get out of here? I'm pretty close to done. <laughs> anyway, guys. Yeah. But if the spirit of, if the spirit of Advent is joy, then you would want to feel attached to that. And as much as you don't want to say it, if that spirit is desert attached to Lent, I mean, it's important and it's valuable. And so I'm not saying there's something wrong with you if you have an enormous amount of joy during the season of Lent. You know, that's that's a wonderful thing, but it's somewhat normal and it's part of what this time of year represents. Yeah, it's... Um I'm probably only 15 minutes into it, but I'm listening to a podcast uh, right now from a psychologist lady talking about how uh, the title of it is something about mixed emotions. And it's essentially talking about how we deal with the fact that we're always feeling everything, you know, we're always experiencing everything. That's sort of the feeling that I have right now where it's like, I don't know. I'm just aware of the fact that like, sadness, malaise, angst, uh, whatever is coinciding with joy and hope and beauty and all of that. And a season like this, you know, where everything's starting to turn green and all of that. And we're also remembering that we die and facing our inner demons and, you know, facing the pain of the world and all of that. It's all happening at once. And so I think that for me is, is sort of, one of the takeaways of all of this is just saying yes to all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And they can be simultaneously present. I um, think they are. I think they are right. for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 th- I posted it and did it in the sermon, but you weren't there that week and you're not on social media, but I wrote something the other day. Um, maybe I'll read it at the end. Uh, but just about a single day, a few weeks ago of 20 or 30 things that happened and all of it was just so mixed and so full of ambiguity and subtleties and just good and bad and everything else. And the, the 
end of the poem or whatever it was. It may have just, I don't even know how you would categorize it. it. Just says that everything is unrelentingly everything all at once. It's just overwhelmingly everything constantly. Yeah, I know. I think it's, I think it's true. Um, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it's like, if you have a certain circumstance, it's like, you know, that circumstance in and of itself does not change. And so it's not even like this, um, you know, mix of multiple different circumstances coming at you that create a, you know, a different, um, emotional response. It's the same circumstance, but in the, in the, within the day, you can look at that from 30 different angles and get in 30 different mindsets. And it's like, okay, deep, breaths, um, you know, Zen perspective on that. And it's like, Oh, I literally physically feel a peace and a joy on it. And like, you know, you, you give it to God and you pray about it, but then it's like just 10 minutes later, you that something else, some other angle you start to consider. And it's like, whoop, there's anxiety. There's the, yeah. you know, and then fear and the anger and all of these things all come. It's like, yeah, they're all present there. And it's like, which one gets your most attention, uh, but it doesn't mean that those others disappear. Yeah. Well, and and there are times where you're able to not manipulate, that's not the right word, but you're able to change your perspective. I heard somebody say that like it helped them with stage fright when they changed what they were telling themselves about fear and said that called it excitement instead of fear. Yeah. Uh but like, you know, sometimes you can't you can't make that kind of jump in your head. And then sometimes it just doesn't, it's not reflective of what you're facing. It's like if you do the, this is excitement, not fear. And there's a grizzly bear. It's like, uh, it doesn't matter if you're scared or afraid or what your experience of it is. It's, it's still just objectively dangerous. Right. Right. Yeah. You're not, no, no, you're not allowed to bite my neck because I'm excited. (laughs) No, 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 no. This is excitement, not fear. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, because then, yeah, certain circumstances and just times of, of, of life and year just literally are the Lent type moments. And, you know, and the story that we get from the temptation of Jesus, he didn't run from those. And in fact, he was led by the Spirit directly into the heart of those types of moments. And it wasn't something that just passed quickly either. I mean, that was a it's a 40 day. Yeah, it's a significant thing. And I think it's a startling and strange text that he goes straight from his baptism, a dove descends, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased and all that, directly into, and then the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And it's like, huh? Right. So it's, the implications of it are, it's something that has to be wrestled with. And, you know, it's at least a valid experience. And at most it's, you know, God's leading you into the, into those experiences. Yeah. And leads you, leads you into something that then he seems to be, um, absent from. Right. Because one of the things I noticed this year um, that stood out to me in that story more so than it has in the past is that the angels didn't attend to him until 
Satan left and it was and the whole experience was over. Right. Like and I'm not saying yeah, I'm not saying God was fully absent from that moment. I'm not saying that, but in the experience of Jesus, I would say he was. And you know, we love the stories that kind of have like, okay, I face a hard time, I make a right decision and on the other side of that right decision as I stand up against the temptation and stand up against my weakness on the other side of that is the reward of whatever the, the presence of God looks like. The struggle ends, or at least if it doesn't end, there's a a deep comfort in the rest of the struggle because you've already, you know, you've already passed step number one, but it's a multi-stage, right? Super long process. Yeah. And so Jesus faces these three very specific challenges and, all that he has is the thing that he had previously rooted himself in. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the foundation that I am choosing to be the source of my life? What is this thing that nourishes everything that I do, whether it's the desert, whether it's Lent, whether it's Advent, whether it's all of these things? And he was forced. It's those moments that we all have sometimes. It's like sometimes there's nothing at all except doing the right thing based on what I have chosen to root myself in. And there was no angel in the moment. Like, you know, turn these bread, turn these stones into bread. You know, he, he goes to the word. He goes to the thing that he rooted himself in. And on the other side of that, there was no emotional high. There was no victory. There was no angel. Right. And then two more cycles of that. And I think one of the things that, you, you know, something like we, we like to sometimes talk about like, well, Jesus was fully human, you know, and then we like to sometimes really talk about, well, what does that really mean? But I think one of the things that that really does mean is he literally experienced the dryness and the desert. Right. Like even, I bet those, you know, those moments that we're told throughout scripture that, you know, but Jesus went up into the mountain to pray. Like, okay, he did this discipline. He spent that time doing that. But I promise you, I almost guarantee you that just because he did that and and made the effort to go do that, it wasn't met with like this glorious parting <laughs> right, of heaven. Right. I bet there, I bet there were moments during that all night prayer where the thought was, "Why am I like? Where are you? What am I doing? I'm I'm praying to this tree. I'm looking at. It feels like, or you know, this brick wall. It's not just this automatic unlocking of." the heavens and angels and all this sorts of things. He literally had to walk through the dryness of that Lent season of that temptation narrative. Yeah. I mean, he, he fully faced what was in front of him. And I, I'm, I'm convinced that you're right, that it didn't feel easy or that it just felt like a discipline. There were periods that felt, you know, probably particularly deep and meaningful and others that didn't, uh, I mean, he's, you know, he's expressing forsakenness in different places. He's, uh, you know, asking for the cup to pass from him. He wasn't separate from human experience. I uh, was talking to Andy the other night, uh, and we we were saying how awesome it would be to sign up for a marathon and either the night before you're about to have to run it you take a positive COVID test, like what that kind of joy that would feel like. Or my version was that you get like 
two and a half or three and a half miles into it and you just like you just see a sports bar and you're just like the the kind of relief it would feel like to to run and like sit at the bar to unclip your little like <laughs> number bib thing yeah and just like order a drink yeah <laughs> like <laughs> just be like those suckers are going to be hurting so bad tomorrow and i <laughs> I think that's probably a uniquely me and Andy kind of a conversation because other people would be like, I'd be so down on myself. I prepared so much for this. I just, I can't believe I let myself down. Me and Andy are like, dude, talk about those chicken wings and what yeah. that would feel like. <laughs> anyway. Using the, your pinned on number thing as a, as a napkin to wipe the wing sauce off. Yeah, correct. So the, the, the tie in, the thing that made me think of that is like, uh, there had to have been off ramps in his mind yeah. in the desert. Like, I don't have to be doing this. Right. Like, three days in, like, ah, uh, I'm I'm gonna go back. Like, right. And you know, it's and it's not like. Well, here's the thing: because the wrong decision doesn't always automatically feel. You don't feel the consequences, you know, right away, and so like. And in fact, sometimes the opposite, like, so to kind of play off of your marathon, um, example, like if you had, you know, if a kid had like a, you know, a really hard math test coming up and he knew it, he, you know, and he spent two days studying and doing everything that he had, uh, or everything that he needed to do to prepare for it. And then the morning of that test, he decided to skip school, you know, during, and if say the, say the math test was from nine to 10 or whatever, that hour where he had skipped school and missed it, like the or the happiness. Oh yeah, like that he experienced in that moment, like is real. I'm not saying that that's not real, right? But it's it's not, but it's not the feeling that genuinely coincides with the decision. Like it's it's it falsely represents that his choice was the right choice. Yeah, does that make sense? Like you can't say, well, I feel I'm feeling happy between nine and ten, so therefore it must be my, the right choice. The most extreme example is, like serial killers experience euphoria a- after they've killed someone. All right, stepping it up. <laughs> let's let's and keep going. Yeah, yeah. another notch. Keep right. going. Keep going. <laughs> uh, but yes, to to your point, that that isn't reflective of what the overall decision is for you or for anyone else. Right, and so it's not like. Yes, and so hard decisions and hard seasons of life, you know, the angels aren't there each step of the way, metaphorically right. or in actuality. Yeah. It's like Jesus had to face this, okay, I made this right decision. It's still hard. It's still desert. Right. Another decision. It's still hard. It's still desert, you know. Like, but it's so Lent then to me in a lot of ways, and and I guess if we want to talk just a little bit about why like don't necessarily give up something is because um, the short of it is the Lent season is tied to this temptation narrative. It's a reenactment right. of it in in our spiritual lives, and so the things that Jesus was deciding in these moments were not things that he would then re-implement into his life after the fact. He was faced with these hard moments of who I want to be in the world for the remainder of my days. You know, it's it's um, fasting is a good thing. I'm not saying it's it's not a good thing, but 
But this story isn't about Jesus giving up turning stones into bread for 40 days so that after the 40 days is over, he could just go back to turning stones into bread all he wants. Yeah, right. It's like, oh, I won't eat chocolate for 40 days and then eat chocolate all I want. It's not, it doesn't represent to me what this season is. Like, we're becoming, this is about trans, this is about eternal transformation. Yeah, yeah, and and it it ultimately matters because it's not, the thing that's striking to me is that he doesn't. He doesn't ever wrestle. He's never. His identity is never called into question mm-hmm. by Satan. Right. Uh, and he never questions it because he's just gotten the "You're my beloved son." That moment. Um, it's how how is his divinity going to be articulated in the world? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be you know powerful ruler? Is he going to be a magician? Is he going to be whatever? Um, and and he passes the test. And it's the whole process of what he went through was required for him to pass that test. He had to f- get through every stage of it. And yeah, on the other side of it, his the way that he's going to articulate all of that in the world is set to the point that I think N.T. Wright or something says uh, is the one that points out that Satan tells him to throw himself off the building and uh, and he doesn't. And then when he's on the cross somebody tells him to get yourself down off the cross. Right. And it's like, uh, he's, he's passed the test essentially. He's, he, he knows who he is. He knows who, how he's going to be in the world. And it's because of that, that, you know, that he's able to pat quote unquote, pass the test. Yeah. I guess that's, I, I never made that connection, but to go from, the temptation to the cross itself that is kind of the equivalent of no i never did re-implement quote-unquote chocolate into my life sure this, this is this is how the divine presence is expressed into the world correct and i learned that that is the case whether it is you know periods of where joy is easy mm-hmm. or periods of where joy is hard yeah yeah i think i think for me Lent and and all of these spiritual disciplines and church calendar and all of the uh, spiritual practices, anything that I'm doing is always in service of, and Ricky says this all the time, of one, decentering the ego, but for the express purpose of transformation. Mm-hmm. And so if it's not about you know, becoming new and renewed and over and over and over again, you know, shedding what's false and becoming awake to what's real, then there's no reason for it. And so this is a, a particular time where, you know, you understand that death is the pathway to life and all of that, that that pattern of reality. Um, and so that's that's the stuff that I'm thinking about. Yeah, it's, and it's not the, obviously, when we're honest, the path to resurrection, we would love to bypass death. Of course. But what kind of resurrection would it be if it did? Yeah. And Jesus learned that. He understood that. And it became deeply ingrained in everything that he did. I know. So after that temptation narrative, I might be misremembering, so you can look this up, but I'm pretty sure the first words in Matthew that we get 
Jesus speaking after the temptation narrative is basically the kingdom of God is here. Yeah. And it's almost like, okay, baptism, this, now I'm beginning to understand, okay, what is the arrival of the kingdom of God look like? And it does. It looks like new birth. It looks like desert. It looks like all of these things that he has just experienced. And yeah, and and a lot of those a lot of the path to implementation is hard. Um, but it obviously does not mean it's not worth doing because I think that definitely there are moments where God just breaks in and brings transformation in ways that are maybe just through a static experience and things like that. But also, I would say the majority of the transformative work that we experience when we open ourselves up to it is through you know the hard desert the hard desert work yeah yeah well you're right uh about what it says in matthew i had it this is a one of the pages that i cut out of my notes for the sermon a couple of weeks ago but that whatever your life's calling your destiny your vocational identity, whatever, however you want to say it, is on the other side of the wilderness because Matthew uh, verse 17 says, from then on Jesus began to, pray, began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Yeah. So it's like on the other side of that, not just being told who you are, but then having to wrestle with how that's going to be articulated in the world, how it's going to find expression that it's only after that experience that then you can really start whatever it is your vocational work is, whatever your like deepest kind of work is. Yeah. And you know, and I'm not saying this in a, as a way that strips Jesus, a Jesus is, is <laughs> Jesus's experience as being unique, but it's also a pattern. Yeah. Right. You know? And so we even like, you know, whether Abraham, Moses, go, you know, it's this, it's this pattern of, of what you just described, understanding, you know, understanding who you are being solidified in your identity. Um, Abraham wouldn't have said in Christ, but you know, as we would say it now, like your identity in Christ, um, this, this, you know, Lent season, uh, leading into a fuller understanding then of, oh, this is my, you know, this is my vocational purpose, or this is my, not even vocational, but this is my life. Yeah, purpose. right. It's not reduced to a single moment, but sure. just the way in which I express all of this life that I've been given in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I think that's a good stopping point, and, uh, or at least a pause until next time. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to these, and uh, hopefully we'll be back with more of them. And, um, Hope they mean something to you.